Given good news? Amen. I want you to jump in your Bibles with me for just a few minutes in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. Luke, Luke chapter 8, verse 1. And uh, I just want to open up with some things this morning. I know all of us are getting together with family and friends, and it's a time where we reflect uh, on the resurrection. I know that today around the world, it's amazing, on television you can see it, there's so many articles and things going on. But today, so many people celebrate Easter from the historical aspect. We, we celebrate it. So many people think about what Jesus did. And in fact, I even saw something on television here about a, a three or four days ago where down in the Philippines, there's several thousand people that will march through certain streets and in different countries, even in South America, they do this, uh, where there's people that they celebrate this time by taking a literal cross and they carry it for so long and they will actually be, they'll actually crucify themselves on this cross. And they feel like they need to suffer because Christ suffered like that. And I'm, I'm here to let, I hate to spoil their fun if they're having any kind of fun that way, but it absolutely does not do any good because Christ suffered once and for all. Once and for everyone. Uh, we, we don't have to go down a road of suffering. We don't have to suffer and live through the bad news. And we don't have to be whipped and beaten and go through all of that rigmarole. Because actually what it really does, it's, it's really saying that Jesus, what you did on the cross really wasn't enough. I need to add some more. And how many of you know that it's, we don't, we're not saved or we're not healed through any of our own works? What Jesus did was a complete work. Amen? And I, I want to read this verse of Scripture. We're going to pray, and I'm just going to go through some verses this morning because I, I want to share something on my heart. Notice what it says. Luke 8, verse 1. Now it came to pass that afterward that He, Jesus, went through every city and village preaching... And bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Notice it says that they went preaching and bringing glad tidings. Everyone say glad tidings. This was the message that Jesus brought. He didn't say I come to bring religious tidings. Or I come to bring just uh, some kind of news. But he says I come to bring something that's going to make people glad. Do you believe that? He said, glad tidings of the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the good news. We thank you, Lord, that this day you've come to proclaim liberty, Lord, to the captives. You come to set in order to set those who have been blind and open their eyes. You've come to, Lord, redeem them that have been lost and bring the good news to the poor. Father, we open our hearts with our ears today and with our eyes. And we ask you, Lord, that the anointing that is even here right now will begin to open our hearts and break every chain, break every bondage in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. How many of you believe Jesus wants you free? He really does. You were created in His image. We were created in God's image and you were created for freedom. You were created for life. Everything about the human existence moves 
forward. When you stop or when you stand still or if you go backwards, you're dying. God intended for your life to increase. He intended for you to grow. He intended for you to experience joy. In fact, even doctors will tell you that when when people are happy, they're more healthy when they're happy. In fact, when people live in a constant state of sadness or oppression, it actually opens the door for diseases. Your Your immune system begins to decline when people live in sadness or, or, or oppression. So God intends, amen, to empower you in such a way that you begin to live the kind of life that He intended for you to live. Amen? Now, we empower what we know and how we believe. What we know and how we believe. And so I I really pray this morning that we come to understand that Jesus is coming to bring the glad tidings, good news. I think, I I don't know about you, but how many of you like good news? I went to a doctor, I had to have a procedure done, I had to submit to a hospital and going for one day and uh, but in the meantime we had just changed our insurance companies anybody have to do that lately <laughs> it's a lot of fun uh, but we we switched our insurance companies and so my wife of course she's she does all the business in our family but but she she asked the doctors in the hospital if the procedure will be covered under our new insurance plan and they said yes, and so I s- submitted to it, and we went, and I had the day procedure done, and about three or four weeks goes by, and all of a sudden, we get this huge, massive bill in the mail, and uh, it says, you must pay for this procedure. Well, that was not good news for us, and uh, we begin to look at this thing, and it was a large amount of money, and uh and Carol and I, we looked at each other and they said, Did, didn't they say we were covered? And so Carol called and the company, we called the hospital and we called the insurance company and come to find out they made a mistake. But we still had to pay. And they said, I'm sorry, your insurance company, your new insurance company does not pay for this procedure. Now, I want to tell you, folks, I was not a happy camper that day. And I know that we're walking in abundant life and and my wife got a revelation, and this is what she said, Ray, why do we pray about these things? After all, we preach it, don't we? <laughs> I said, yes, that's a good idea. And uh, so we got together, and we really did. We, we, it was in the morning, and I said, Father, we are in a rock and a hard place. How many of you know God loves people in a rock and a hard place? I mean, that's where God loves to show up. It's, and so I, we, we literally, that morning, we begin to pray, and we just brought the bill, laid it on the table, and said, Father, we do not have this money to pay for this. And we switched insurance, and Lord, we're just bringing this before you. And we we left it, and we prayed, and we just said, Lord, we just commit this to you. We believe that all things do work together for good to them that love God. We love you, Lord. We believe you. And Lord, we just thank you that you're either going to bring the money in or give us some kind of wisdom in this thing. That afternoon, Carol gets a text from the hospital, and they completely discharged the bill, and they said, we made the mistake. The, the, the bill is forgiven. The debt is paid. You don't have to pay for it. Now, 
There, there was another mar, uh, minor part of the bill we do still have to pay for the doctor, but the, the major big bill was completely written off and forgiven. And uh, I, I want to tell you something. I really believe that God answers prayer. He really does. The good news is in the key here in this verse where Jesus said that He went around preaching glad tidings. And here's the key of the kingdom of God. You see, if you really want good things and the blessing and the favor to rest on your life, how many of you believe that we need to recognize Jesus as King in His kingdom? Amen. You see, there's, there's no umbrella there is no umbrella over those who are not in and under the umbrella of His kingdom. Jesus, When Jesus is king of your life, the good news is He takes care of His people. He answers your prayers. You experience some amazing breakthrough. I, I really, you know, it's amazing in the evening, that evening when I was just having my prayer time, that day, that very evening, I I hadn't even put my knees on the carpet in my prayer room. And the Lord said, you didn't believe me, did you? <laughs> you didn't believe me, did you? And I said, Lord, forgive me. I really had a sliver. Oh, not a sliver. I had a, oh, I had a whole lot of unbelief. But, uh, you know, we, we were praying. And we prayed. We believed God. And the Lord answered prayer. But it's amazing when we really take things to God in prayer, He really answers. He really does. Uh, and He really blesses. It, you know, the, the good news, when Jesus went around preaching the good news, now the good news of the gospel was what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4.18. I won't turn there, but He says that, that He was anointed to bring good tidings to those who were poor, to open blind eyes, Amen. To also open the doors of those that were in captivity, to set at liberty them that were bruised. And also, he said, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, that little phrase is a really important phrase. Because that signifies, that goes back to Leviticus 25, verse 10, where in the Old Testament, God spoke to Moses and he said that every seven years... Seven times seven, every 49 years and every seven years that precedes 49, he says you are to commemorate and you are to celebrate what is known as the year of Jubilee. Now the year of Jubilee was a, uh, was a time where they would begin to celebrate, Israel would to celebrate uh, the feasts and it was a time for feasting, it was a time for celebration because if people in Israel had suffered the loss of anything, if you'd suffer the loss of property, if any of your children had to be sold into slavery because you made some bad decisions, or you had to sell yourself into slavery, or if anyone was in debt, the Bible says in Leviticus 25, those who were in debt, those who had lost property, lost materialism, Anyone who was in slavery, those things were to be redeemed and restored back every seven years. It was not only a, a year of uh, jubilee, but it was also a year where they celebrated the atonement, which had to do with restoration, restoring back that which the enemy had taken or robbed or that which was lost. 
Uh, it also was a year, what they referred to as the Sabbath year. The, the year of celebration or the year of Jubilee was a Sabbath year where God's people were to enter into rest. In other words, God was saying that when my people come to celebrate, when they come to trust me, they're going to enter into a rest where they're no longer struggling in their own strength. But God becomes their provision. God becomes their Redeemer. He becomes their Savior. He becomes their strength and their source. Can you say amen? Because Jesus was saying that He embodied the very year of Jubilee. Everything that under the old law, under the old covenant, God was saying, I'm here to redeem you. I'm here to release freedom into your life. I'm here to set you at liberty. And if you've been bruised and and broken down, I'm here to empower you with a new kind of living, a new kind of thinking. One of the things that I think it's so needed today in the body of Christ, what's, what's so needed today, is we need to have our eyes opened up. I believe that the Lord is opening the ears and the eyes of God's people concerning the message of grace. I believe the grace message is so important. Years ago, my wife and I, we had a, a young lady live with us. She had a, a, a son, and they came and lived with us. She lived with us for about four months. She was a single mom. She'd come out of a broken family. There was abuse in the family. She came and lived with us for a short season in our home. And uh, I remember just talking to her one day, and I said, you know, you have an amazing future. And I kept speaking faith. I kept speaking hope in her life. By the way, folks, that, that's what resurrection life does. It lifts your vision. It lifts, it lifts your understanding about who you are. And, and I remember as I continued to speak faith, she kept coming back with this, but Ray, you don't know where I've come from. You don't know what I've You've never had to walk through what I've walked through. I said, I, I, I know, I haven't. I haven't walked through what you've gone through. I haven't seen what you've seen. I haven't been neglected by my father like you were. I know there's been a lot of pain and there's a lot of memories that you carry with you. But I said, do you know why Jesus died on the cross? It was to erase and destroy the power of your past so that you would no longer become hostage to your past. You're no longer a victim to your past. He come to open your heart, open your eyes to a brand new future. And she says, well, that's easy for you to say, but it's hard for me to believe that. And I said, listen to me. I want you, and I I actually took her to this passage. In fact, I want you to jump with me into John chapter 5. Jump with me in your Bibles to John chapter 5. I took her to this passage in John 5. And uh, you all know the passage here. It's when Jesus came by the uh, gate of Bethesda. And it was the place, the sheep gate, where there were five porches. And it says in verse 3, There lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. In fact, by the way, folks, that really kind of says a lot about where our society, everyone's waiting for someone else to do something for them waiting. The angel would come down at a certain time, stir the water, and whoever stepped in first was stirred of the water. They were made well of their disease. Notice 
it says in verse 5, And a certain man who had had an infirmity for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, Jesus said to him, Do you want to be made well? How many of you know that Jesus knows that we've been in certain places a long time? There's some of us this morning have been wrestling with some things for a long time. And you know, I believe that this is a day of breakthrough for you. I believe the anointing is here to bring a shift in your life. To bring a shift. How many of you believe that God can bring a shift? He knew that he had been there in that condition, waiting in that condition for 38 years. There's a lot of people. I hate to say it, but when you we deal with compulsive disorder and we deal with issues of addiction, you deal with certain kind of stereotypes and issues in people's lives, their mindset. The Bible says that Jesus knew that this man had been in that condition for 38 years, waiting, looking at the pool. But Jesus asked this crazy question. It's almost, it's almost an insulting question. Do you want to be made well? And of course, the man began to say, Lord. <laughs> he began to say, Sir, I have no man. Nobody will help me in the pool when the water is stirred. While others are coming, others step in down before me. And Jesus says, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And, and that day was the Sabbath. Now, this is a powerful passage because, remember, Jesus embodied resurrection life. Wherever Jesus went, He embodied the very power of resurrection. So when He spoke, He was speaking resurrection life into people. Now, this man was hanging on to a way of thinking that was killing him. It was hanging on to a way of living that was holding him hostage to where he was at. But I'm here to tell you this morning that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is coming to us today and he's telling all of us that we can rise. And notice what he says, take up your bed. In other words, you are not coming back to this place anymore. Jesus didn't say just rise and walk. He said, rise, take up your bed. We're not coming back here. We're not going to lay down in this place anymore. We're moving forward. In other words, we are going to make some major transition. Resurrection is about dead things coming to life. God is bringing dead vision. He's bringing that dead marriage. He's going to bring that dead addiction that you've been locked into. He's going to bring you out of that. But He's asking you the question, do you want to be made whole? <laughs> you know, several years ago, I was praying for a guy down here at the altar. And I asked him that same question. I said, would you like to be set free? And we were praying, and I, I just felt in my spirit that there, there, there wasn't that breakthrough. And I, I felt the Lord impressed on me that he was happy where he was. Even though he came down to be prayed for for freedom in a particular area, he didn't really want to be free. In fact, the Lord spoke to me that in my spirit. I said, are you, are you really wanting freedom or not? 
And he says, you know, Pastor, I've got to be honest with you. I'm even ashamed to say it. But I love my problem. I love it too much. I love what I'm doing, even though I know I'm a slave to the problem. And I said, right now, I want you to lift your hands in Jesus' name. So I had him lift his hands. And I said, first thing I want you to do, I want you to confess to Jesus that you love this sin and that God would take the love of that out of your heart. And so we did. We begin to pray that God would deliver him from the love of the thing that he was enslaved to. Two weeks later, I get a call, two or three weeks later, I get a call from the guy. He says, you know, Pastor Ray, something's really weird going on in my life right now. He says, the thing that I have been kind of enslaved to, every time I think about it, I start getting sick. He says, why am I getting sick? I said, do you know why? Because the Holy Spirit has put a hedge around you and He will not allow you to go back to where you were. Because you invited Him into your life. You're, you're not happy. You, you'll never be at home with the thing you've been enslaved to because when the Holy Spirit comes in, He will not allow you to go back to that place of bondage anymore. Because where the Spirit of Christ is, there's only life. There's only resurrection power. But here's the thing. Am I willing to make the great exchange? Amen? How many of you know He gives me beauty for ashes? He gives me, amen, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He gives me the oil of joy for mourning. But I have to make this exchange. And you see, that man this morning, or in this passage, I believe the reason why he was the one out of all the other sick people that were around that pool was because everybody else had their eyes on the pool instead of Jesus. That's why the others weren't healed. They had their eyes on the pool. They had their eyes on the world. They had their eyes on things that cannot help them. But the man who had his eyes on Jesus was the man who got up. You see, when the spirit of resurrection is upon you, you always rise. You are always going up. It takes you up. It takes your marriage up. It takes your thought life higher. Isaiah 55 says, For as my th- the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, and my ways higher than your ways. God wants to take us higher. Everyone say higher. higher. He wants to take us higher, folks. Amen. We're, we're not going to be suppressed. We're not going to be locked in to some kind of thinking like we're a victim and we're just held hostage to the past. I want to, I want to show you some powerful passages that are so important. Jump with me into Colossians chapter 2. Two passages, and then I'm going to close this morning. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Notice what it says. Buried with Him in baptism. How many here have been water baptized? Amen. If you've been baptized in water, it says, in which you were raised with Him, Through faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. The uncircumcision of the flesh. He's talking about even when sin was rampant in your body. And your body and the nature and the the desires of your life are out of control. That's what he's saying here. The uncircumcision of your flesh. In other words, it's not consecrated. He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Everyone say all. He's forgiven all. 
Now look to your neighbor and say, all. (laughs) That means sin is dead. It no longer lives in you. And if any man be in Christ, all things pass away, all things become... That's resurrection power. Sin... Everyone say it with me. Sin is dead. What that means is, everything that held me down, everything that I've been thinking that holds me down, everything that I've imagined, everything that has been accused, everything that has been brought against me, any person, anything, any allegation that has been spoken against me is dead. It's dead. That means it has no power over you. It means that there's no plan, there's no attempt, there is no intentional purpose that can be brought against you that can prosper. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Notice the, here's the, 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 by the way, I forgot to tell you the, the title of my message this morning is why the good news is good. That's the title of my, why it's so good. It's really good because when Jesus died, the Bible says all died. Even those who have not repented yet. Let me tell you folks, the problem is not our sins. Jesus dealt with our sins. The problem is, the the central problem is whether or not you will receive Jesus. Will you receive Him and what He did? The problem is, you are therefore under no condemnation. You know why you're not under condemnation? Because sin is dead. Yeah, but pastor, I still think sinful thoughts. Well, stop it. Stop it. Praise God. Yeah, but have you ever thought that maybe the devil likes to plant? Do you know that your mind, unless you renew your mind, your mind becomes just the open field for the devil to plant and drop anything in your brain he wants to? The facts are that when sin is dead, you are no longer under the dominion of sin. Sin is dead. And if sin is dead, disease and sickness is dead with it. Well, pastor, I still get a cold. I I still get a flu. Well, that's when we begin to renew our minds and we tell our bodies. We begin to speak. Amen. We begin to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, singing and making melody in our heart. And we begin to tell our lives and our bodies, line up. I, I am raised with Christ, no sin, no sickness, no disease, no attempt of the enemy, no allegation of the enemy will have dominion over me. Because I've been made, created in the very image of God. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And He says, if I did greater work, great works, you will also do greater works than these. Because 1 John 4.19 says, for as He is, so are we in the world. 
So all of you are like a walking Jesus. Sin is dead. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Wherever you go, you change the atmosphere. Wherever you go, you create a life-giving atmosphere. You carry something that is so supernatural. You are so attractive. That's why Isaiah 61 said, Arise and shine, for your light has come. There's something in you that can't hold you down. There's something in you that overflows. The Bible says that what God does is going to be pressed down, shaken together, running out all over us. It's that message. It's hope. It's life. We're not under the dominion of sin. I feel sad. There's churches and ministries today that, that are trying to make people feel sad and feel grieved about their sin. And you haven't repented and you need to repent. Come down to the altar. You need to mourn and cry and Let me tell you something. I understand there's a time where we mourn and we grieve because we sin. And that can happen. But God doesn't intend for you to stay and live in grief. He intends for you to arise and shine. He didn't say arise and be dull. Arise and be boring. Arise and be fearful. He said arise and shine. Amen. See, everything God does is always empowering. It's always lifting. It's always transforming. I come to find out that people are transformed and changed more by empowering them rather than beating them down. You never help people come into new life when you beat them down and always remind them of how bad they're doing. But when you begin to remind them what Jesus is doing... When we get our eyes off the pool like this man, get our eyes on Jesus, guess what? You're going to start rising up. You're going to start speaking right, thinking right, walking right, talking right, relating right. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. i got to, amen, encourage myself up here. Praise God. Amen. God is good. (laughs) Hallelujah. He really wants to baptize some of you guys with joy this morning. I mean, some of us Christians, we go around and we call ourselves Christians, we kind of look like a bunch of old sauerkrauts out there. And God wants to begin to baptize you with the kind of joy that causes people to ask you, why are you happy? Why doesn't Obamacare get you down? Why are you a blessed and a happy man? It was because my world is not this world. I am a citizen of a kingdom that cannot fail. I belong to a king who's better than Obamacare. He takes care of me. He heals me. He strengthens me. And when the devil comes in like a flood, I'm here to tell you that that only becomes an opportunity for me to arise and shine. Because what the devil means for evil, God turns it around for my benefit. He not only raises me, lifts me, blesses me, but it just kind of overflows on you too. See, we serve a God who's, who is resurrection and life. There is no discouragement. We're not talking about the power of positive thinking. We're talking about creative life. Whatever He does, He creates life. He does it well. He does it big. He does it great. And everybody stands in awe and amazement and says, Whoa! See, your life should be a whoa. People look at you and say, Wow! There's something about you that's different. Something about you that's just 
bigger than life. There's something about you that, that attracts me. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. The reason why so many Christians, so many believers, are not walking in the fullness of their potential is because the thought life has been so enslaved with a kind of religious dogma that has held them captive, thinking that if I can only try harder, if I can only just be a better man, if I, if I can only read my Bible more, pray more, read the, go to church more, give more, sacrifice, if I can just be a better person, man, I'll, then, I'll, then I'll get there. No, let me just tell you, that's going under the law. You're under the law. You're under works. And let me tell you something. You're never going to get there that way. What you have to do is you just say, Lord, I surrender to what You've accomplished And I am now going to call those things that are not as though they are. I don't see righteousness. I don't see life in me. But I'm going to declare I am righteous. I'm going to declare my life and power and my strength over every sin, over every problem. I stand on the promise that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. See, that, that's, that's where the promise. Now, you've you, you got to understand that there's power in the declared Word. But the words have to leave your mouth. God didn't say He empowers your thoughts. He empowers the words. The spirit of faith is when a man speaks. When you speak the Word. The Word, the Bible says in the beginning... The world was was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And out of nothing, because of the Word, the Word created out of nothing. See, that same Word, when it's in your mouth, creates life. It creates power. It creates miracles. But it must leave your lips. I've had people say, Pastor, remember having a woman, uh, another individual came to me. She says, you know, Pastor Ray, I hate my husband. I can't stand this man. He is non-affectionate. He doesn't even, uh, he, he has, it's, it's just like, we're, we're just roommates. We're just living as roommates in this marriage. It's dead. It's over with. And I will have no part of it. I don't want anything to do with this man anymore. I said, do you believe in the Word of God? Yes, I believe in the Bible. Of course I believe in the Bible. I've always believed in the Bible. I said, do you want to see a change? Yes, I want to see a change. I said, are you willing to trust Jesus? I trust Jesus. How dare you say I don't trust Jesus? I know I said, I said, are you willing to trust Him in ways that you've never trusted Him? I said, okay. And I said, I took her back into Romans 4. Remember where Abraham, Abraham and his wife were barren? They were childless. They were barren. Barren people. Old people. They weren't only barren. They were old. They were old and barren. Misfits. And God says that I'm going to give you a seed and a son. And I'm going to bless you, Abraham. And through you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And from your loins, Abraham, kings and priests will come from from your wife's womb. That's a pretty challenging word. And I said that Abraham, the Bible says that Abraham was accounted for righteousness because he believed. See, in order for us to experience resurrection life, we have to look at death. 
we have to look at the problem, and we've got to look at it, and we've got to say, in Jesus' name, you will align with the Word of God. And I told that woman, I said, I want you to go home today. She was in our, my office. I said, I want you to go home, and I want you to start calling your husband. By the way, this, her husband, was a, he was a plumber, a great guy. Uh, I knew him. He was a good man, but he just wasn't a strong believer, didn't really know the Lord a lot, and he had a lot of issues in his own life. He was, uh, uh, I think, in fact, I think, if I'm, I could be mistaken, but I thought, I think he was orf, an orphan when he was young. He didn't have a father in his life, mother either, was raised by uh, other family members. So he, he didn't really have a lot of healing and a lot of, just didn't have a whole lot to do to understand relationships. Yet he was a married man. Didn't understand how to love. Didn't understand how to communicate, relate with his spouse. And she was hurting. Deeply hurt. And I told her, I said, I want you to go home and I want you to start calling things that are not as though I want you to tell your husband how grateful and thankful you are that he is a wonderful gift from God. And she says, not on your life. I'm not going to call him. That would be a lie. No, it's not a lie. You're calling those things that are not as though they are. And then I want you to tell him that you are so thankful that because of his godly influence in in your life, that you have been just growing so great in the Lord. She said, oh, pastor, you are really stretching things here. You're wanting me to tell him that he's a man of God, he's a holy man, and that he's a, the best gift and he's a treasure and a, a blessing in my life. I can't do that. That's not real. I said, I know it's not real. I know it's not factual. I know it's not based on facts. But we're standing on the promise of God. We're standing on the word of the Lord. I said, do you believe... That your husband is loved by God. I said, yeah, I know the Lord loves him. I said, do you believe in miracles? Well, yes. I said, before miracles can happen, it has to start with you. We've got to stop looking at everybody else. We've got to stop looking at the pool. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. So she goes home. I didn't hear for her for two weeks, two weeks, two, three weeks. All of a sudden, six o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call. Two, three weeks later. She's ecstatic. I mean, I thought it was an emergency, 9-1-1. She was so excited. She said, Pastor, you just never guess what happened. I said, what happened? Because her husband gets up at 4 in the morning. He leaves real early, 4 or 5. But she says, I went into the living room, and in the living room was an open Bible. She says, that was a miracle, because he never reads a Bible. But she said, in Ephesians 4, where it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself. And in the margin of the Bible, he wrote... Help me, Jesus, to do this. And she was so excited because she saw in the margin of his Bible, Lord, help me to be this kind of a man, something like that. She was so... In fact, we actually, uh, several months later went by and we they renewed their vows in my office. We kind of did a remarriage thing and and they, they actually, they were still married, but they just renewed their vows and the Lord just took him to a new plateau. And it all started because she chose resurrection life over death. She chose Jesus over the circumstance. Amen. How many of you believe we need to keep our eyes 
We need to keep our eyes. Notice what Paul goes on here to say. Verse 14, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements, the rules that were against us, which was contrary to us. Do you know today there's churches, ministries that are teaching a message that's so contrary to people. Let me tell you what's contrary. Let me tell you what's contrary. Contrary is that for you not to live in abundant life. For you not to live a victorious, overcoming life. God intended for you to be victorious and overcoming. And He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now this passage, this verse, in verse 15, a very powerful passage, because it describes what Jesus did in hell. You know what happened when Jesus died on the cross? He went to hell. And when he was in hell, in fact, in the old days, in, under the, uh, in the old covenant, what happens when two kingdoms go to war against each other? When you have a king go against another kingdom. And when, king, when that one king defeats the other king, what they would do is they would take the defeated king, they would strip him naked. They would take his crown off, they would strip him bare naked, and they would take his whole entourage and his the family and all of the people around that king, and they would march them through the corridors of their streets, their main streets, and they would literally mock them because they have been defeated in battle. What Paul is saying is that when Jesus descended to hell, he stripped Satan naked. And those who had gone, who had died before this time, they, David, Jeremiah, Daniel, from Adam, Eve, all the way, they witnessed Satan's power stripped in hell as Jesus went to hell and in the corridors of hell, triumphant over Satan in the powers and all of his demon hordes. They were completely stripped and, and, and defeated in hell. That's what it means, that he's been stripped powerless. And the Bible goes on here to say, not only was he stripped, but disarmed and made a public triumphing over. So let no one judge you in food or drink regarding festivals or a new moon. I want you to jump to one last passage in 2 Corinthians. Last passage here. 2 Corinthians. When it comes to resurrection life. Notice what it says in verse 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13. Why the good news is good. For if we are beside ourselves. This is Paul. I love what the new language or new living Bible says. For if we seem to be crazy. (laughs) Anybody out there a little crazy about what God's done? I'm crazy about what... He says, if we seem to be beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us. In other words, that means it's captured us. We've been arrested by His love because we judge this way, that if one died for all, then all died. Everyone say, I'm dead. That means that now I I have to receive Jesus for the truth of this to really ring bare in my mind. But He says, if one died, all died. And He died for all, that those who live, here it is, those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them, and rose again. Amen. So we understand the culprit. 
If Christ died and I died, that means Ray Galligan, Ray Galligan no longer is subject to old carnal desires. Ray Galligan is not subject to old ways of thinking. I'm no longer a victim in my family. I'm no longer a recovering alcoholic or drug addict. I'm not recovering. I'm not recovering from anything. I'm an overcomer. I don't recover. I'm an overcomer. Sin is dead. That also means that abuse and the problems of my past have no impact on me. That's what it means. You may say, Pastor Ray, well, well, that that seems like quite a stretch there. Well, that's when we stand on the Word. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, for, for, for Him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on. Everyone say, now on. Let's all say that again. From now on. See, there's got to become a mark of demarcation. From now on. From now on. From now on, there's a new way of thinking. See, resurrection life was a demarcation point. It means from now on. I'm not thinking the way I used to think. I'm not living. I'm not choosing. I'm not walking or talking the way I used to. From now on. Say it one more time. If you get anything out of this message, you'll go out and say, from now on. I don't know what, but, but from now on. From now on. From now on, we're, 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 we're going to think differently. We're, we're going to look at things different. From now on, I'm going to rise up. I'm going to take up my bed. I'm going to start walking. From now on, from now on, you're a mighty man and woman of God. From now on, this church is going to explode in the power of the supernatural. From now on, I'm not weak. I'm not poor. I'm not sick. I'm not dying. I'm, my marriage is not on. From now on. I'm a mighty man of God. I can make it. I will more than make it. I will prevail over my enemy. From now on. I've got the Spirit of Christ. There's light in my eyes. There's a hope in my heart. There's a vision in my mouth. My kids are awesome. Man, we've got some awesome grandkids. Our grandkids are already praying for the sick and they're not even two yet. Because we're prophesying the word of the Lord. We're speaking life over them. Oh, pastor, you're just kind of a motivational speaker today. No, there's no motivation in it. It's just the power of the anointing. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. God wants you to realize that... He's, let, let me tell you something. When Jesus died and descended into hell, stripped Satan powerless made an open spectacle, and the blood of Jesus not only broke, destroyed the curse of sin, but He transformed your nature also. Not only that, He gave you because of the blood. How many of you know the blood of Jesus was shed? That put a new, brand new DNA in you. You have a new DNA. You become like the Father you worship. When you choose Jesus, you take on the likeness of your Heavenly Father. You act, you talk, you walk, you think, you look, you believe like the Father you were born into. If you're born again, you start acting, living, talking, looking, thinking like the Father you're born from. Amen. And you begin to relate. You begin to look at life through the lens of His eyes, which is, of course, the Word of God. But He goes on here to say, Amen. I love what, what it says here. Verse 16. From, there, from now on, 
we regard no one according to the flesh. Hallelujah. Praise. Everyone say hallelujah on that one. That means you, you might have come in this morning to church. You know, I'm, I'm timid and I'm afraid of people. From now on, we don't look at you as afraid of people. We don't look at you according to the flesh. You're a mighty woman, a mighty man of God. Fear no longer has dominion over you. For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I do not regard anything according to the flesh. That means that what I know about you that might be negative, what I've known, you might have been a liar, you might have been a thief, you might be crooked, you might be immoral. I no longer regard you that way because sin is dead. Well, pastor, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on here. Wow. You're just calling sinners righteous? Yeah. Because the blood of Jesus has already destroyed sin. Now, I do need to receive Jesus. I do need to repent and change my... That means to line up. God's not asking you to try hard. He's not asking you to do anything. He's not even, you know, I have a lot of people come to church and they'll say, Pastor, give me a how-to message. Tell me how to fix my life. How to get a fix, quick fix. Lord, just tell me how, what I need to do. You know what I'm going to tell you to do? I'm going to tell you to do nothing. A lot of people are looking for places and psychologists and tell me what I need to do. What do I need to do? Jesus says, do nothing. Simply receive. See, He's already done the doing. You can't improve on His doing. All you can do is receive what He's already done. And then you walk in the favor. You walk in the presence. You walk in the atmosphere. You walk and you live in the presence of faith. In the presence of the promise. I'm healed. I'm restored. I'm raised. I'm a man of God. I'm a man of God. I'm not a drunk. I'm not a recovering drunk. I'm not a recovering alcoholic or an addict. You're not recovering at all. You, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, all things have passed away, all things become. It, it, was, it was as though you weren't even born with a problem. It, it wasn't, it's like it's, the blood is so powerful and so cleansing and so, so strong that it's as though there was no, there was no even a, a shadow or even a, a response to anything that you've had a problem with. The blood of Jesus is so powerful, it's like you were born from your mother's womb and you were brought into this life and imputed the righteousness of God. You're not recovering from nothing. You can't help yourself. You, you are the righteousness of God. There is, there is no... There, the Bible says, for as the east... For, he says he's forgiven our sins as the east is from the west. It's really important that we get this. Because this is why the good news is really good. From now on. I don't regard anything according... Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know Him no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, is a new creature, and all things pass away, all things become new. Everyone say new. new. There's going to be a new way of talking. There's a new way of thinking. I'm going to look at you differently. You're going to look at yourself differently. We're going to look at our finances differently. We're looking at life differently through a lens of faith. 
Because He rose again. He died, I die. He rose, I rose. That means there is unlimited possibilities. Brethren, I would that ye prosper and be in health, even as your soul prosper. God wants your soul, your mind, will, and emotions to be full of good things. He goes on here to say, Now all things are of God. Everyone say all things. He didn't say something. He didn't leave you out. He said all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given unto us the ministry of restoration or reconciliation. Every one of you have the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, there is no person, there is no problem in your life that cannot be reconciled. No Christian should ever say, there's no hope for us. There's no hope for me. No, the Bible says His grace is so powerful that He's given every single one of you the ministry to bring back to life what is dead. Nothing dies where the Holy Spirit... Jesus said, I am the resurrection. He that believes in me though he is dead, yet shall he live. The Spirit reconciled... That is that God was in Christ reconciling the Word to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Thank God. That means He will never bring up your past. That means He's not going to remind you of things that you've done. Because He's reconciled you to Him through Jesus. When the Father sees you, He sees you with a smile on His face. See, the problem isn't our sins anymore. The problem is whether we can really open our heart and receive this gigantic gift from the Father called the gift of righteousness and the grace of God. The Word was made flesh. We all beheld His beauty, behold His glory, the only begotten of the Father. Now then, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. God is pleading. I'm pleading through you, myself. I'm pleading to you this morning. Pleading. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled. Everyone say, be reconciled. That means this. Remove the walls. Remove the doubt. Remove the issues. Remove the excuses. Be reconciled. In other words, we have a Father in Heaven that said, I want you to come home. I want you to come home. I want you to believe My Word. I want you to know that My blood... My grace is stronger than anything you've ever done wrong. I want you to know there's no marriage problem, no issue, no addiction, no problem, no compulsive issue you're dealing with, no past, no, no, no shame that you've walked through that God's grace cannot overpower and, and make you, make you. You've been made into a new creature in Christ. God doesn't just do a patch job. God doesn't just patch you up. You know, uh, I heard this preacher one time uh, about a couple weeks ago. He was saying uh, he bought a new Jeep. And uh, it cost him 1200 bucks. It was a Jeep. And he said that the thing was running bad. And uh, actually, let, let, let me give you another story. I just thought of something. When I was in Cuba one time, I had a guy pick me up from the airport. And he, he picked me up in a Ford car. It was a 1946 Ford Chevy. But this, this Ford had a Russian motor with an Australian or an Italian transmission. It had a German differential, and it also had a Mercedes-Benz 
seat in the driver's seat, and I had to sit on the, on the passenger side in a lawn chair. I was in the lawn chair, but his... I, I'd never seen a car. But in Cuba, you'd have to, if you were in Cuba, in Cuba they have no parts because of the socialism under Fidel Castro. So they could. So, but this guy, an amazing young man, he was able to modify parts and make it fit. I couldn't believe it. He told me I had a Russian engine, an Australian transmission, a German differential, or a, a, a Mercedes-Benz seat, and other parts. And by the way, this is no kidding. He picked me up from the airport. He was rushing me to a meeting. We ran over a dog, and he hit a pedestrian and kept on going. I'm not kidding you. And, uh, and I said, man, we need to stop. I said, no, no, it's okay, Pastor Ray. We can keep on going. You know, he, by the way, he didn't run over the, the guy. He just hit him, but he still hit him, knocked him down, kept going. Got, going. But, but, this, but here's my point. There's a lot of Christians today that take their life and they, you know what they do? They go out and they go to a psychologist or to one church here and another church and they just kind of do a patch job on their life. They go here and they get a little bit of truth over here and they try to patch this and they try to put their life together from a lot of different things, from different people. God wants you to get into the Word and come into alignment with what His intended purpose is. You cannot do a patch job and experience the abundant life that He expects you to live. You gotta stop robbing parts from other people. Amen? We gotta start coming to Christ and say, Lord, how do you want to put me together? Lord, I've been going here and going there and just running here and running there and my friend said this and that buddy said that and I've been trying this and trying. And you know what? We end up becoming like that Ford chassis that's got pieces added and into our life and, and we're just hobbling down the road and Things are weird. God never intended for you to be like that. God has a master plan. Resurrection life. Easter Sunday is about you coming into that perfect alignment where Jesus brings the very best of Himself out in you. It comes down to this. Will you let Him? Will you simply open your heart and say yes? Jesus knows that we've been in some places a long time, like that man at Bethesda. Been there a long time. If you've been under that condition, Jesus has given you a word that today is the day to rise, take up your bed, and walk. It's time to shift gears. It's time to make a shift. Amen. Everyone say shift. I'm going to make a shift. One day, I owned a car when I was in high school. It got stuck in second. I was going down the road, high RPM. I couldn't get it out of second gear. Finally, for some reason, it came out. I was able to go into third. It's amazing. When you shift gears, things go a lot smoother. Some of us are stuck in second. Some of us have been stuck in a certain way. I want you to bow your heads this morning because I don't want to let this go by. I believe the Holy Spirit is here to heal, to renew. I believe the Holy Spirit is here to empower us. I believe, folks, that our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard, it has not even entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. But sometimes we allow things, we've allowed hurts, we've allowed the past, we've allowed sin, we've allowed things in the past to make us a victim. We've made ourselves victims. We've done a patch job on our life.
And Jesus says, if you will come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. He didn't say, I'm going to work you over. He says, I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to cause you to experience the fullness of all I have. We have a Father who is truly for us and not against us. You don't have to live like you're living anymore. You can come into rest. You can come into that place where Jesus, our Master, has His way. We can really turn our ears to say, Lord, I want to, I want to get my eyes off the problem, off the pool, like the man of Bethesda. I want, to, I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. I want to hear what He says. I don't want to live just a patched job life. Maybe this morning you may say, Pastor Ray, I have never fully surrendered to Jesus. I've had a form of godliness. I've had a form. I've had religion. But I've never really trusted in His love. I've never led Him close to me. I've never let Jesus in my heart. I didn't know Him. I didn't know it was the good news was really that good. I thought it had some kind of conditions and glitches with it. I didn't know that He was really that good. I didn't know that He was that that for me. I didn't know that He saw me as a gift worth dying for. I didn't know it. Maybe this morning you say, Pastor Ray, I'm tired of the battle. I'm tired of doing it, the struggle in my own strength. I'm willing to let go and let God. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to let God be God. No, the anointing is thick here today. Anointing is here to heal. The anointing is here to restore. Maybe you say, Pastor, I need resurrection life. I need my mind, my heart to be restored. I've been broken. Jesus says, I come to bind the broken in heart, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to open prison doors. Maybe you've been in prison to a way of thinking, a way of living, and you want to come out of the prison. Several years ago, the Lord gave me a prophetic vision. The Lord said, Ray, tell the people the prison doors have always been open, but they won't come out of prison. It's possible to be so in prisons, they call it being institutionalized when you've been in prison so long that even though the doors are open, you can't leave because you've been so conditioned by the way you've been thinking. This morning, the Holy Spirit is drawing us to come out, to come up, to draw close. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, shall we? I want you to take your neighbor by the hand this morning. I want to pray for us as a body. I, I believe that there's some of us, we got stuck in just accepting conditions in our life, the way they are. And God's saying it's time to shake yourself from the condition of fear, certain conditions that you feel you cannot change. Jesus is asking you this morning, do you want to be made well? It's a question. He doesn't play favorites. But what He's asking for you to do is rise up. It's where you begin to say, Lord, I'm going to, change the way I think. I'm going to start looking to you. I'm just going to stop depending on what I've been looking at and what I've been depending on. I'm, I'm looking to you. I'm looking to trust in you. 
Lord, I'm going to cease from struggling and trying in my own strength. I release control to you. Father, we thank you as we commemorate and celebrate resurrection. Father, you've already been raised in our lives. You've already killed sin. Sin is dead. And Lord, we thank you for the righteousness of God in Christ. I pray for my brother and my sister. I pray for the body of Christ. Lord, you've called us to be ambassadors of reconciliation and restoration. Father, we come to you this morning. We just thank you, Lord, that you've given us truly abundant life. Lord, I ask you to be with us. Let your presence go with us in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I want you to turn to your neighbor. Give him a hug. Have an awesome Easter. God is for you, not against you.